Hello and welcome back to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm back in Palmerston North, New Zealand with my co-host Rito, Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North. Ian, hi. Hi, how are you Brent? I'm alright, you've been sick. I have been a bit unwell. Yeah, you've been a bit unwell. You're still a bit under the weather, thank you for agreeing to do this. We're going to do another TV and movie review um, this time, and uh, this is another one you've put me on to Ian. Uh, we're exploring series one of Peacock's comedy murder mystery series, Poker Face. Poker Face, starring Natasha Leon and created by Ryan Johnson. It's currently available in New Zealand on TVNZ's on-screen demand website. Now, uh, Rito, what is Poker Face? Well, the show, it's kind of, a, it's a murder mystery. Which Is it a comedy? It's not like overly funny. Oh, oh right? definitely but, a comedy. There's funny bits in it, right? Yeah, it's definitely a kind of, insofar as you can ever have a comedy murder series, it's a comedy murder series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. so it's, it's kind of a quirky... Uh, kind of murder mystery kind of show and it, it kind of plays with time and you know kind of it's you know e- each week she's solving a different murder in a different location and situation and it's kind of how she gets into those situations itself is a little bit comedic kind of at time but there's also a, another story backstory kind of um kind of playing the whole way through it that that she's been chased by someone the whole way uh, as we're going through the series yeah what is a poker face well the idea is that, you know, a poker face is someone who's able to bluff, isn't it? You know, kind of you can play poker and no one can tell what if you've got great cards or terrible cards. Uh, but she is a – the thing – the reason why it's called Poker Face is that she's able to look at anyone and, and talk to them and work out if they're lying straight away. She has some weird kind of ability. She's a human lie detector. Yeah, yeah. But she's been caught out by the casinos kind of doing this. Uh, and so she'd made a lot of money kind of working in casinos – uh, kind of, this is in Las Vegas, isn't it? I think these big casinos. Is it is in is it Vegas or is it? I think it was elsewhere first, oh, okay. wasn't it? That she made her way across the country, and then the casinos kind of had got onto her. Yes, and then they. Oh um, boy, do they get onto her! Yes, and <laughs> yeah, she ends up yeah. dealing with the heads of the casinos, who are, shall we say, slightly dodgy. Slightly, yes, <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, but yeah, kind of. It would be a great ability to have, right? Because you can work out. What other people around the, the room have, and you can kind of well. This is a great. It's, this is a, it's a funny co- and a fun concept because you think this is the ultimate detective. This is a detective you can't bluff. She, I mean, forget about Sherlock Holmes. She has the ability to tell whether someone is telling a lie or not. Yeah, and that is a huge advantage in a, in a detective situation. And that, that that's really the whole series, isn't it? That she she doesn't know what people have done or what they're thinking or anything like that, but she just knows that they're lying, and she just pulls on the thread. You know, kind of just okay, someone's lying about something here, and so she just pulls on that thread constantly. Why? Why are they lying to me? Let me get to the bottom of this. Yeah, it's very clever. And um, we should add that this is an inverted murder mystery. I think it's an. I think that's the term. It's an inverted murder mystery, a bit like the old. You're too young to remember Columbo from the seventies. I vaguely remember Columbo. They were brilliant. But what happens with an inverted um, murder mystery is that you see the crime first, mm. and you know who's committed it. So you see the whole setup. The you know who's guilty before the the thing starts, and then time reverses, as it were, and you see the whole thing again from um, from uh, Charlie's perspective. Yeah, and so you kind of the first half of each series or, or of each episode, or about a third or so, is the setup. Uh, and then you kind of go back in time and see her, how she is then connected to what's going on and how she kind of plays her part in it. Yeah, because yeah, she's already in the scene. She's already in the in the area working for one of these people 
before we even see her introduced. I got. Did you get? Did you latch onto that from the? Because the first time it happened, I couldn't work out why the chap who just died suddenly was alive again. Yeah, I, can't, I had kind of worked out what was going on, um, but it's kind of it, it does kind of play with time in a, in a funny way. And each episode's not exactly the same. No, either. no, that's right, that's right. Kind of in that way, but you do kind of go backwards and forwards, and then you kind of see her where where she kind of fits in the timeline of it as well. Does she? She never pops up when the kind of the, the setup in that kind of. Part. She never pops up in that first part, though, does she? I think she does once. Okay. I think she does once because one. I think one of the later episodes she does, from memory. But there's. I think it's episode eight with the guy committing suicide. Sorry, spoiler alert, folks. Again, we're terrible with these spoiler alerts. The guy who jumps off, who's been poisoned by the the other lady, and they're having a a, a chat across the kitchen table, and he goes and jumps off the balcony. You see that replayed at least three or four times in episode eight. Yeah, now, to what extent was this based on the old 70s and 80s murder of the week TV concept? It does It does have that bit of, you know, kind of... It's a bit um, retro. Yeah, yeah, it is, that, that murder she wrote. You yes, know, yes, kind, yes, kind murder she wrote, yes. Going on, doesn't it? But, but you know, it's, it's, it's really quirky, you know, kind of, you know, kind of how it plays with time. It's kind of gone out of fashion, right, that, that kind of, you know, the murder of the week type of thing. It's, it's kind of not, not the, you know, the English do it in, the English do it in their kind of, you know, Midsummer Murders and, and yes. stuff like that. But the American kind of series, there's not a lot of them anymore, are there? No, it's kind of reinvigorating an, an old idea, but doing it in a... And there's one episode, uh, I think it's it's the one where the guy's in the in the, in the snow and, and, the, and he's, he's, he's got a bracelet, an ankle bracelet around his ankle. He's, he's um, under under arrest, not arrest, but under yeah. house arrest. And the, the whole opening of the episode is just the same thing happening over and over and over again as yeah. you watch this guy just going through the same routine. Okay, that sets the scene a bit. Who is Charlie Kale? We should say that Charlie Kale is played wonderfully by Natasha Leon. Are you going to tell me? I hope you're going to tell me all about Natasha oh, Leon. No, oh, no, I know next to nothing know, about yeah, her. Okay. But, I mean, amazing actress. Oh, right? fabulous actress. You know, kind of- Do you know, she's got this fabulous husky voice. Um, it's so odd, though. It, when you watch it, I thought, you know, you kind of, if you closed your eyes, you're not thinking it's the same person, right? It's just kind of like, it's, it doesn't quite match. Her voice reminds me a little bit of Lucille Ball. Exactly. You, you think of an older lady, yeah, you know, kind yeah, of, but it's a, yeah. it's a, she's actually reasonably young. Yeah, she's got a voice that reminds me of Lucille Ball and one of those, and, and she's such a sassy, um, mm. I mean, Charlie is such a sassy character. She's got, she's a, she's a lady with attitude and then some, isn't she? Yeah. But yeah. Um, Natasha Leon. Uh, plays her so wonderfully, and is just with the right sense of drama and comedy combined. It's, there's also a dryness to a sense of humour, oh, right? Brilliant. It, yes. it comes off so yeah. well. Yes, she does it so it? well, doesn't she? Yeah. And we should say the whole cast. I've got, I've got. Well, let, let's let's come on and talk about the other co-stars. We've got now. We've got Benjamin Bratt as Cliff. Now he 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 does the dirty near the end. We won't. That's another spoiler alert. But uh, and various guests. So we've got people like Adrian Brody, Judith Light. Chloe Savigny, John Hodgman, and John Daniel. Did you have any ones that you recognised and are favourites of yours? Yeah, in the second episode, oh, what's his name? In like Toy Story and all of those movies, he 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 plays a lot of the kids' voices. You're you're a favourite. Your Toy Story is a oh, favourite of yours. Not not particularly. No. It's just that I've had to watch it a billion times. <laughs> it's kind of the, the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, that's all right. I, I was going to ask you uh, how the whole series deals with the concept of truth, because truth is, is definitely a theme 
of the series, isn't it? Yeah, and that's it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, she gets involved in the. She, she's trying to kind of get away from people, but she she keeps kind of stumbling across these murders where, where people are lying to her, and she has to pull on the thread. But because she needs to get to the truth, and she needs justice for people, and it starts off in the in the second episode with the there's a lady who she's befriended who's a trucker uh, who kind of is wrongfully. Um, well, she's set up. Yeah, she's set, yes, yes, yes. set up mm. for a murder. Uh, and it's kind of like, and so she, she does these things to help people out. Yes. Uh, and kind of there's a, there, there seems to be some seeking after truth there. Yeah, under, I, th- I, I thought it was really interesting in a modern American series when we're in the postmodern world and so on, that we've we actually hit, we've got an old-fashioned view of truth, that there is a truth that can be found uh, if you just know how to get at it. Yeah, and isn't that that's part of the issue, isn't it? That she knows who's lying and she's trying to get to the truth. She knows that there is truth out there somewhere. Yes. And she knows that someone's lying about it. And so it's about her uncovering that truth. And uh, she has a. I was going to ask you how many of the other characters, apart from Charlie, are actually interested in truth in the series? I don't know. Do I don't think, think any of them are. Not, not actively. No. Right? They kind of accept. The murders as they are, you know, kind of that they that who, you know, kind of whoever is accused of it, they must have been the person that did it, or you know, it was the way that it was kind of said that it was done. So they don't actively kind of aren't involved in the investigation in any way. I think she says at one point, "Is nobody else here interested in truth? Yeah. Am I the am I the only person here in, around who's interested in truth?" Which I think interesting. Did you notice that Galahad is mentioned in the first two episodes? And Galahad's motto, because she's, she's one of the character sisters, you like a Galahad. Yeah, yep. And Galahad's motto, I looked this up, was post tenebras veritas, after the darkness, truth. Okay. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't think Galahad's mentioned ever again in any of the other episodes. Just at, right at the beginning. Just yeah. right at the beginning. Yeah. In the first, I noticed it happened episode one and then it happened episode two, and it dinged my kind of medieval knights of the round table chime. Yeah, you know? yeah. Is that you know kind of is that what she is? She's kind of a roaming knight in a, in, a, in a kind of like yeah. A, I think she's like a kind of upside down yeah. modern roaming knight who's just and you know for all the um, I mean there's quite a lot of Buddhism in some of the early episodes and I wondered whether and maybe if the writers are listening you can tell us um, I wonder whether there was the idea of idea of reincarnation the idea of time that you replay another life I wonder whether the concept of time that's presented is tied up with some philosophical view or whether it's just something they've used for the sake of a drama mm. you know I don't know so writers if you're there get in touch we'd love to <laughs> love to find out more about it because that, that is a big that's the other big thing you know kind of is time the way that time is played kind of throughout the series it's kind of played with but yes you know kind of it, it's never linear, you know, kind of. No, there's kind of no. backwards and forwards going yes. on. It's yes. not difficult, not too difficult to follow. Well, I, I, I think until you get to episode eight, which is the the really dark and and quite weird one, where as I say, you see him the, the suicide. You see it three or four times, three times, I think, replayed, and it keeps and they keep intercutting it with other bits that have already happened, and then at the end, the the guy who's jumped effectively comes back alive. They uh, looking at um, the episode uh, description. They say the other lady has uh, has a um, uh, a vision of him, uh, an hallucination. But it isn't presented like that. It's actually presented as though the two dead guys are actually sitting in the audience and have come back to life. Yeah, right. Like a kind of resurrection. Yeah. yeah. And then she's the one. Sorry, folks, <laughs> that jumps off the balcony at the end of the episode. I mean, it's very, very clever. Mm. Um, 
and it kept me sort of wondering what was really what was really happening. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Oh, the bad language. Yes, this is a Christian podcast, so we've got, and we're well, you're a pastor. I used to be, so we need to mention. A little bit of bad language, quite a little bit of bad language. We're going to give us some examples. No, I'm not. No, no. This, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've listened to so many podcasts recently where the, the hosts are busy effing and blighting, <laughs> and I, having grown up in radio thirty years ago, where you, there was a memorandum from the chief executive, you know, saying these words shall never be said on any of our radio stations, and the person that dares to say any of the things will be up for disciplinary action, and. The F word was definitely one of them. <laughs> yep, you yep. couldn't you couldn't say anything like that in my in my apprenticeship years. So um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's there, but it's not. I didn't think it was overwhelming. Did you think it was? I, it wasn't like other series where you think, oh, I can't just give it a break. Well, I tried to. I remember there was the, that thriller that I tried to watch, which I and I can't remember the title of it. But there was if the F word was used R- literally rabbit hole every yeah rabbit hole really brilliant concept. But there were so many F words. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, script writers for rabbit hole, cut back the bad language. You don't need it. But that, that's the thing. You don't it? need it. It's, it's unnecessary, isn't it? Oh, you when know, you've got look, when time. you've got scripts of the caliber of Poker Face yeah. and actors of the caliber of the actors in Poker Face, write some. I mean, they've written enough really sassy, clever dialogue for them as it is. Just take out the bad language, swear words, and write a little bit more clever dialogue. Yeah, you can yeah. do it because the writing otherwise is. And I think part of the reason for the bad language is they want to. It, it, they want to create this sort of really sassy, upfront, mm. you know, a, a show with attitude. You know, it's bristling with attitude, um, and the way they do that is by putting in a lot of street language. But I, I'm I'm a bit old fashioned. I have to say, I'm a bit old fashioned. Yeah, and I think you know, with with language, I think if it's real in the way that people really speak, I think that's what they're trying to do. Then sure, but. It kind of it just becomes a distraction where it's just like well, it's, it doesn't actually add to it. And actually, you show your skill and your in your craft by not needing to put it in there, right? I, I reckon so. Uh, I think so. I think that's. Joe you know, recently rewatched um, the BBC Secret Army, which is going back to the seventies. Yeah. Uh, made between nineteen seventies, and there is only one swear word I think in the whole series. Wow. Three year right. series. There is one swear word, and it's actually in the context. It's understandable why it's used, but I thought if in those days they could write a whole drama series yeah. without even needing to swear at all, you know, come on, what's what's happening? Anyway, we don't want to we don't want to get too major on that. Now let's get back to the really neat stuff about Poker Face. I loved the photography yeah. and the scenery. I absolutely thought the photography was stunning. Coming from New Zealand, the blue skies were kind of you know, oh, stunning, weren't look, they? It, but it, that one that's set in the in the, is it um. I've got the venues here. I think it was set in somewhere in Nevada, that mm. little town, which is like a little New Zealand town mm. with a petrol station on the side. Then the dude is sitting on his roof in yeah. his armchair watching the stars. It was like New Zealand, but it was somehow sparser and more barren and broader and what and the big American space, open air spaces, you know. Yeah, it was, and the setting was really interesting, wasn't it? It was so enclosed, kind of, this odd, you know, kind of yeah. setting. Yeah, enclosed and yet. Wide open. Wide open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you kind of got the – and the characters were all very much um, compressed by their past and, and, and captured mm. by their past and their inability to get out of this little town. Yeah, it was, it was almost like a little prison. Yeah. yeah, kind of, yeah. That's how it felt, right? Yeah, and yet it was, it was on a highway. Yeah. Yeah, a big American a highway where you could just – where the, all the truckers were coming through yeah. and where there was very much the sense of, of open air space and – 
the open road. But and, the whole thing was well, well shot. Like the, the oh, cinematography gorgeous. was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we should mention the, sh- the show. I check because the show is shot in Newburgh, NY. That's New York, presumably. Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's the desert, presumably. Yeah. And Lachlan, Nevada. Because Nevada's quite sparse. American listeners, you'll have to let us know if we get this wrong. But I always imagine Nevada is quite sparse and spare. And and the um, cinematography is done by Steve Yedlin, Christine Ng, is it pronounced Ng, and uh, Jaron or Yaron Present, and who, 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 you know, fantastic job. Absolutely yeah. beautifully photographed. Yeah. Really stunning. The whole the whole thing just pops. And and all the interiors as well, which are quite dark and um brown and mahogany and, and quite luxurious. Uh really it popped. The whole thing just looked stunning, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. Did you have a favorite episode? I, I liked episode three, where they the the guy who's the um the barbecue Oh, that was brilliant, guy. You know, yeah. he, he yeah. um, he's like a he's a radio host, isn't he? And he's, well, well, yeah. He's, you've got it's two brothers, right? One who's yeah. a radio host and you know, kind of the charismatic figure. But then you've got the and they, they the, the brothers they run like a a barbecue restaurant. Right? Could you call it a restaurant? It's kind of outdoors, but it, it's a it's an American. Uh, this is a current thing in the states, and it always has been. I think that the barbecue it's a barbecue kind of uh, cafe restaurant. We call it a cafe, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, and the one of the brothers is brilliant at, at just doing the meat. You know, yep. kind of that's where, but he wants to he wants to get out of it because he's a veg, he wants to become a vegetarian. But um, do you know why he wants? But the character is really interesting. Do you know why he became a vegetarian? Why? Because in the in the opening the opening you see him crying on his knees in front of the barbecue. Yeah, saying, saying I, I, yeah, yeah but and then when you see the replay, Charlie has lent him the videos of what's the um, movie about the little pig, Babe. Babe. Yeah. Charlie has lent him the, the DVDs of Babe and a whole lot of other animal things. And it's not overtly explained, but I kind of joined the dots and thought, he's just been watching Babe. And, there's a, and this, then he suddenly decides the next morning he wants to become a vegetarian. I know, because it's odd, isn't it? When you watch, when you, because you see the whole kind of setup. And then you see them meet, yeah. and then you know she's giving him some DVDs to watch, and one of them's Babe. And you're yeah. thinking, "Oh my goodness, what, how's this going to turn out?" <laughs> yeah, and it's after he's watched the videos, I think, that he becomes a, a vegetarian. Yeah. Now, how does the whole series invert? I, we can't really talk about this without giving too much away. I think. No, no, you didn't quite make it to the end because you've been sick. Yeah. Um, but I did, and I, how can I describe it? Uh, again, we have a brilliant use of time, and what you think is going to happen doesn't happen, and it, it just twists, the whole plot twists, and you go off. But but basically, we end up more or less where we started off, but in completely different circumstances is all I'm going to say. And, and so the, the series can continue on. So it, kind of, it does have an arc, mm. but that kind of – you can go on. It will go on from there, right? Oh, I think so. And I think – but did, did you tell me, you know, because the whole series is, is – there's mention of chance and, and mm. randomness from the characters mentioned. And yet, isn't it strange how they've written it so that Charlie is always in the right place at the right time and has just arrived there and got a job there Yeah, just prior, like the or, day before the murder. Yeah, or just befriended the person who's <laughs> yeah. going to be accused. Or, yes. You know, you kind of- yeah, she's almost angelic in the sense that, you know, yeah. she's, she's kind of set up as this, there's no mention of God, but the, this person that's just always in the right place at the right time as though some, something or someone has arranged her life for her to be there. Which, which is interesting. Yeah, there's no, there is no mention of a, a kind of like a 
a better, there's no better narrative, like in terms of this is ordered in, in a certain way. Well, I think there probably is. I think there is a bit of a meta narrative, but it's sort of bits and pieces. And yeah. as I say, I'd, I'd, I'd have to talk to the script writers. But the Buddhism thing is quite interesting. It, pop, it pops yes. up at different points. It does right? pop up. And I wonder whether that's some of the underlying philosophy mm. behind the recurrence of events. Yeah. And, and there's also, I meant to write it down, there's one episode, it's episode eight again, where uh, I think Charlie says something like, you have to push past the past to get to get through it. Or, you no, know, you have to you have to confront the past mm. to get past it. And so the whole or something like that. So the episode, but the whole episode is about confronting your past and then pushing past it. And as the one of the characters says, the past can't hurt you. Well, it can, as you find out. And that's the whole Quite, point, right? That is the whole point. Your past can hurt you, yeah. as you see it at the end of episode eight. Yeah. That lady's past comes back to bite her mm. and actually results in her death. I thought it was really, really fascinating. But, and that, um, that's also Charlie's past is, catch, is catching up with her as mm, well, right? Mm, that, mm. That's, that's really what the tension that, that sits behind the whole series mm. is that someone's chasing her the whole way through, mm. trying to catch up with her. Yes, and you find out. You only find out. I think is it in the last episode, or the second to last episode. You you then get another replay of time when you see a short, a sort of a, a run of all the times that he's missed out catching her, but you haven't seen that for the first eight or whatever episodes. You, you just have seen her move on to the next. Yeah, thing, yeah, and right? you don't realise all the frustration that that the character, what's his name, Cliff, yeah, has has been through, and then Cliff turns out to be a real baddie at the end anyway. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, well, is there anything more you want to say about it? I found it a really f- well-made, fascinating, intriguing series, and, and I'm looking forward to series two, if we ever get one. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, kind of, it was, and it was worth, like, if you're into a murder mystery, you know, kind of quirky, kind of, that, that type of thing. Well, you and I binge-watched it, pretty much, yeah. I did. I mean, you, I'm not, because I can, but I'm, I'm, if you were just watching it like you used to watch TV in the old days, one one episode, one week. I think it would be quite engaging. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But I'm up for more more quirky, and I haven't made a note of the scriptwriters. Again, I'm falling down on my research, but I'm up for more quirky quirky television like this. I, thought I agree. It, yeah. I, I thought it was really clever, and we should mention the production companies. Is it Zooks, Rita, or Zucks? <laughs> Say it with confidence. It's usually the best. Someone, one to someone, it. someone will tell me if I'm wrong. Zooks or Zucks, Animal Pictures, T Street, and MRC Television. And I don't know how it's done in in the states. Um, how no. well it's rated? Uh, it, it's up on in New Zealand on TVNZ, some on demand, isn't it? Yep. Which is where I found it. So um, there we are. That's the end of our. It's that's 25 minutes we've been yakking about Poker Face. So if you like a really quirky murder mystery with a touch of comedy that doesn't take itself too seriously, with lots of quirky characters, situations, unexpected events, some fabulous photography and locations, um, and as I say, that makes you think then this, this series should keep you engaged. And so um, it's currently available in New Zealand. Uh, if you're listening in New Zealand on TVNZ's on-screen demand website. And, um, well, if you're in the States, you'll, you'll have watched it. You'll know where to get hold of it. Mm. All right. Rido, thank you once again for your time. Thank you. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. 
If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.